Well, this morning we're in the fourth week of a series that we started, going through the first part of the book of Acts. The series is called Testify, and uh, Acts is a book that takes us way back to the beginning. It tells us the story of how this thing called church got started. And, um, and as we work through this, I want to just say don't mistake that what is written down here is just a history lesson. Um, what we see here, Acts actually lays out the framework for how God designed church to work. And, and to clarify, church, as we use that word, it's, it's not just a place that you go to. In the Bible, it's always defined as a people that you belong to. It's, it's a gathering, but it's, it's not a building. It, it's the community of Christ followers doing life together. And so the goal as we work through this book is to connect the dots between, you know, God's design for the church and, and how we're doing church today and to make sure that we're able to connect those dots. And so, um, so just to review where we've been up to this point, we've, the first week we started out and the, the, the title was Meet Your Mission. And, and we saw how, how as Christ followers, we've been entrusted by our master with this global mission to testify, to bear witness about the reality of the resurrected Jesus Christ, who he is, what he's done, and why that matters to each and every person. And then we walked through the, the apostles waiting in the upper room, modeling for us how Christ's mission moves forward one step of obedience at a time. It did then and it does today as well. And then last week, Denny, uh, he walked us through the arrival of the Holy Spirit and how he came in, in this unique and unprecedented way and, and how ever since then he has been empowering ordinary people like you and like me to accomplish extraordinary things and, and testify to Jesus. And so that brings us up to where we are this morning, Acts 2.42. It's one of my favorite passages. And in this very short passage, it gives us a, a snapshot of what the community life of the first church was like. It's, it's a model. It's a model for, for what the, the vibrant dynamic that, um, that, that God wants the community of the local church to reflect. And so what I want to do is, is, first of all, um, just read it through, and then we're going to go back and we're going to unpack it together. So, so here's what it says. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. All right, so, so I got to tell you, this is a passage that I have probably preached on as much, if not more, than any passage um, over the course in the last 18 years that I've been in ministry. And, and, and this passage describes the kind of community that, 
that I feel like I've given my life to this, to try to cultivate this kind of church community and see it take shape. So, um, so let me just ask you before we jump in, uh, when you hear that passage read, when you get that description of that first church community, is there something in you that stirs up and says, yeah, that's, that's what it's about. I want to be a part of that kind of church. Is there a hunger inside you for that kind of thing? A place that's, that's aligned around some really specific core values. A, a place that's, that's pushing past the limits of what we can do in our own strength, in our own power. But, you know, relying on the Holy Spirit, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit and seeing him at work in our midst. A, a place where people feel like family and they feel like they're, like they're truly cared for. That's, that's a hunger that I believe the, the Holy Spirit plants in our hearts. He planted that hunger in my heart many, many years ago. And, and this passage is a big part of what God used to call me to start this church, Lakeview Community Church. And, and I'm, I'm blessed beyond words to see through the years, how we have seen the values that we just read about in that early church reflected right here at Lakeview Community Church. So many stories. Um, but I also want to say this, that this kind of, this, this description creates kind of the bullseye. This is the target that we want to continue uh, to aim at. And more, now, uh, more so than ever to be locked in and to f- be focused on God's design of what really matters. You know, we're, we're getting a little bit closer to having a finished facility. Maybe you've seen it or had the chance to stop by or be there for our prayer service yesterday morning. It is looking so nice and it's so exciting to see it all come together. And, and that's, all, that's all great as long as that facility facilitates the things that we're reading about here, because that's the point. The target is not a nice building. The target is, is about what happens within those walls. And, and, and I am convinced today, in the day and age that we are in, that uh, number one, the church that's described here in this passage is the greatest place on earth, that there is no other institution, organization, or association that can compare with the local church when it's reflecting God's design. And, and, and I, I also feel like that's needed today, in these days that we're living in more than ever. And so we do it imperfectly. We are works in progress. Um, but here's, here's what I want to look at. What do we need to do to continue to cultivate that kind of church dynamic, that kind of community? I want to suggest three, three shifts that we find here in this passage. The first is the move from, from isolation to congregation. The first shift is the shift from me to we. And so this passage, it's describing a community of people who, who are connected, who are committed to doing life together. It says, it says in this passage, all who believed were together. That's a part of, 
of church. That first church wasn't just a bunch of isolated individuals doing life on their own, living out faith on their own. Every description in this passage is in the plural. It says, they devoted themselves. All came on every one of them, and they were selling their possessions. They were breaking bread, and the, the Lord added to their number. There was this sense of being in it together. Together is a core part, an indispensable part of what church is all about. And it's fascinating that, that churches exclusively, pretty exclusively, use this term congregation to, to describe the Christian church. I, I, maybe they are, but I can't think of any other organization that uses that word congregation to describe its adherence. Maybe there are, but, but through the ages, I think that's a Christian word. It, it, because coming together, being together, is that foundational. It's foundational to God's design for the church. And, and we're, we're called to come together. We're, we're called to be connected, to congregate. And, and no doubt, there is a lot more to church than congregating and coming together and, and, and worshiping on a regular basis. But let's also say this, it's not anything less than that. Church is not anything less than coming together. It's more than coming together, but let's not reduce it to anything less than that. And, 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 maybe, and maybe this is a truth, this is a reality that maybe we need to recapture at the time that we're living in and the season that we're in. Isolation is not an option if our goal is to live out faith in Christ. It's just not how faith works. If you're in Christ, you've been adopted into God's family, and that means you're, you're called to connect. And now that's been a challenge lately, hasn't it? It's been a challenge for all of us in this unusual season that we've found ourselves in. It's, it's required us to adapt. It's required us to get creative, to, to work out that connection in all kinds of new and, and different ways. And so what that's looked like for us is that, you know, even now there's been many in our church family who have chosen to return to this physical building, to this space on Sunday mornings. Um, others continue to connect online. And, and we, have, we have life groups that are meeting in person, and we have others that are virtual to accommodate that because it's that important to stay connected. And, and if I could just share a story that I heard is that uh, there's a couple who have been coming on Sunday morning for our life group that meets at 9 o'clock, uh, our life class that meets, but they're not comfortable meeting together here. And so what they do is after the life class is over, they grab the notes and they go out to their car in the parking lot. And then they listen and watch the online service from the parking lot. I, I think that's a beautiful expression of intentionality, being intentional about staying connected. But I also want to talk about another category of people. Some truth be told, have lost any meaningful connection over the course of COVID to the local church. Staying safe has somehow turned into checked out or, or maybe even become so small and so reduced that, yeah, I'll watch online, 
but I'm never actually going to have any kind of interaction, no meaningful community. You know, that happens. And, and probably not on purpose, it probably wasn't planned, but this has been a time when many people have got stuck in what I would call a fellowship funk, right? Uh, maybe you have found yourself stuck in a fellowship funk. If that's where you are, um, I just want to challenge you this morning, gently and lovingly, to reconnect, to move from isolation to congregation. Now, now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you should necessarily come to this building, but maybe you should. I, I, I will say this, that, hey, if you have kids and they've returned to school, and you're going places, and they're involved in activities and sports teams and all that, but then when it comes to returning to church, your response is no. Um, it may be time to do a little bit of soul searching on that. What, what kind of message are we sending to our children? Go to sports, go to school, stay home from church. To, to, to borrow a phrase from a, um, a certain politician, my response to that might be, come on, man. <laughs> you know? Here, here's the deal. If staying connected is a non-optional part of the Christian life, this season that we're in more than ever is going to require more intentionality, not less. More probably than we've ever applied in the past. Hebrews 10, 15 reminds God's people, do not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Don't, don't fall into that category of those who just fell into a fellowship funk and checked out. And if there's people that you know, that you have connections with, that you have relationships with, that are disconnected, encourage them. Reach out to them. Reconnect. We need to go out of our ways. Because connecting in the past, it used to be automatic. Not anymore, right? It takes advanced intentionality. And for some, it, it may just be a matter of leadership, right? So maybe there's some guys you know, in your family, you need to take the initiative. You need to step in and lead. We're going to get our family to church. Let's do this. Uh, for others, it might just mean putting some slots in your weekly schedule on your calendar where you have time and space to make a phone call, to connect with someone, to take time to pray together with, with people that you need in your life, that God has put in your life to help build up that fellowship. Maybe it's over phone, maybe it's over Zoom. It's not ideal, but it's a lot better than doing nothing, right? Maybe it's a matter of just protecting that Sunday morning time slot so you can, you can participate in, in, in the streaming service without kind of just being half-checked in and, yeah, I'm kind of checking other websites and surfing the web and all that. Um, and, and, and for those, if, if you're not ready to, to come back to a building yet, I get that. I totally appreciate that. But here's what I want to challenge you with as well, is spell out specifically 
These are the conditions that I would be comfortable with. Here's what I'm waiting for. Write those down so it doesn't just become this amorphous limbo kind of season that never ends. Write them down and then call up a couple of friends and say, hey, can you review this with me? And let them challenge you. Are you being consistent? Are you using those same standards to apply to the other areas of your family life? It, it comes back to this, is that church is a we thing, not a me thing. The Christian life requires that shift from isolation to congregation. That's, that's how it works. That is the target. And there's a second shift that we see here. It's the shift from convenience uh, to commitment. The passage makes the point that that commitment was the trademark of the early church. It says they devoted themselves to these particular practices. In other words, this is what they were about. These were the core values that defined this community. It's what they majored on. It's what they prioritized over all of the other things that they could be doing. It's just a snapshot of devotion. And and here's the thing. The fact that they were devoted is really not all that remarkable. Because truth be told, every one of us is fully devoted. Every person is sold out and committed to something. The only question is, what is it? What are we devoted to? What do we prioritize? For some, it's, it's success at work. For others, it's safety. For some, it's, it's comfort and not being uncomfortable. One of the ways you can tell and identify what it is you're devoted to, what you're sold out for, is when we're talking about those things, we don't say things like, I'll try. We don't say things, yeah, I want to do that, but, and then go on. We say, I'm there, I'm in, I'm going to make that happen. See, we're committed to what we believe matters most. And the art of life is about locating our devotions in the, in the right place. And so if I'm pouring out my devotion, if I'm committed to video games and the pro sports team that I'm, I'm following, it might be time to do some reassessment. Maybe you need to relocate my devotions and reassign my priorities around some greater things. But disciples, by definition are disciplined. The first church was a place that was devoted to these four core practices that moved them together towards spiritual growth. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They, they became students of what's been handed down to us today as, as the New Testament and the Holy Scriptures. They learned, they fed their souls on the Word of God And Hebrews 4.12 tells us that that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, that it penetrates down to the deepest part of who we are. God's word is a non-optional component of spiritual growth. As we get into it, it gets into us, and it changes us. It also says they were devoted to the fellowship. And we've already looked at that a bit, but it simply means that they they were committed to staying connected, to being engaged in each other's lives. They were committed to building up that bond between them. 
And, and remember, we looked at this for the first week. This was, this was a diverse group of people. These are people from all different backgrounds, all different socioeconomic classes, different nationalities, different age groups. Put together, community was going to take a commitment. It wasn't going to happen automatic. It didn't back then. And you know what? It doesn't today either. It says they, they were devoted to the breaking of bread. That, that means they opened up their homes and they ate meals together. They, they shared the communion meal together as well. They were committed to keeping the front door open, practicing hospitality. That, that mattered to them. And, and today, the home front is still one of the primary front lines of ministry. Sharing food, sharing a meal together, it just has a way of, of opening hearts up and, and paving the way for relationships and connections to grow. It's a beautiful thing. Hey, by the way, maybe you've noticed this already, but this passage also lays out the foundation that we built our life groups around. Um, these components uh, they're, they're not only exercised on a Sunday morning, they're, they're exercised throughout the weeks, just like this church met together and they met in each other's homes. Uh, it also says that they prayed. Prayer was a priority. They, they prayed together when they met corporately. They, they prayed together when they gathered in each other's homes, seeking God's power, seeking his guidance, trying to be where the Holy Spirit was leading them and giving them direction and wisdom for the things that they were facing. This is what they were devoted to. And experience tells me that these core values get continually tested at every church, every local church. There are so many good things that vie for our devotion. And we're charged with making sure that the main things remain the main things. It's a challenge. It's a challenge on the church level, and it's also a challenge on a personal level because they get tested in our lives. We know that, right? These things get tested in our lives. They get tested in our families as well. It's, it's a challenge to maintain these kind of devotions and not let all the other priorities. By the way, most of them are good things. They're good things that, that have the potential to just take over and put the best things out. And, and it is quite common for me to hear people come up and say, you know what, I feel so disconnected. I feel like I'm disconnected from the church community. I feel like I'm disconnected from people. I'm disconnected from the Lord. And one of the first things to do is to go back to where are these priorities? Are these core values, values that you've been committed to? Priority number one in each of our lives on any given day is to attend to our own personal walk with the Lord. Your, your church needs you to have an ongoing, vital walk with the Lord. Not just to do a Sunday check-in and then check out till the following Sunday. To be committed to these core values on an ongoing basis. To come alongside each other and to challenge each other to stay connected. To keep on walking with the Lord because they, they don't get cultivated by chance. 
They, they require intentionality. And that's a part of what church is about. That's why we're called together to bring this out of each other. And it's a community that helps us to grow and to align our lives around the right things. And so that shift is from convenience to commitment. And there's the last shift. The final shift is the shift from selfishness to sacrifice. Selfishness to sacrifice. It's a beautiful picture here. There's something astounding was taking place in this first church. Radical generosity was breaking out. And, and just a forewarning, this isn't like a one-off. This isn't like a one-and-done thing. This is a theme that continues throughout the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit, as he was getting a hold of people's hearts, it was making its way out and affecting their hip pockets. It was spilling out in sacrificial giving. This, this new move of the Holy Spirit was impacting their pocketbooks. It says this, they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Please, please take note, there's no arm twisting here. There's no carrot dangling. Like, if you do this, then God will, you know, give you that. Nothing like that. People were voluntarily choosing to set up tag sales, sell off their stuff, sell off what they had so they could invest and provide for those among them who were in need. And the Holy Spirit still does that. He, he births that same kind of sacrificial action. We've seen it so many times throughout the course of of, of our church life. And, and here's the thing, the, the bridge between a person in need and that need getting met is the sacrificial action of God's people. And it's a beautiful thing. The Holy Spirit transforms our hearts, our attitudes towards money and stuff. The, the primary false god, the primary idol of our age, and the thing is that stuff and money isn't good or bad. It's just not everything. It's nothing more than a resource. The resources I have have been placed in my hands by God to be used to accomplish his purposes. And that, that simply means that accumulating more stuff is not the end all. It, people over possessions. That's the default disposition of the Christian life. And I hope it's okay. Let me just enter into some kind of dangerous territory. Um, but I want to point one thing out here. And it's that the concern of the first church was to take care of those among them who were in need. And I want to distinguish that between their goal was not to feed the world and to end global starvation. Okay, now that's a, that's a noble goal. And, and there's a place for that kind of charity it's just not what we see in the book of Acts. It's, it's not what we're seeing here. This is about community. It's different than that. It says that they had, they, they had all things in common, that there is this deep connection between them, and that connection was working its way out in very tangible action. So there's this circle of concern, and that circle was expanding. When you come to Christ, 
that circle of concern expands to those that you're connected to in church. And so fellowship turns into family. And family means a lot of things. Family means I am here for you no matter what. Family means I've got your back. Family means that the, the, the care and the concern that I have for you is without limits. You know, when something happens to someone in my own family, I, I drop everything and I run to meet that need. There's no limit to what I'm willing to do for them and their well-being. And we all recognize this, that none of us can respond to every need we encounter that way. We're not supposed to. That's part of why God designed family. But we are designed to to respond that way to some people, to people who fall within that circle of what we consider to be family. And in the, the first church, fellowship turned into family. They, they became their brother's keepers. They assumed responsibility for each other. And that's powerful. That's, that's profound. It's people over possessions, and it's something that, that we can all give our lives to. It's greater. It's better. It's beyond just building our own little kingdoms and acquiring more stuff that's just going to end up in the trash ultimately. You see, when that kind of stuff happens, make, make no mistake, it, it bears witness to the watching world. The world around scratches their head and says, what is up with those people? What has gotten into them? And it bears witness that Jesus is real. He's changing their lives. Look at how they rally around each other's needs. Look at how loud they, they come alongside each other. Not, not to pamper, not to enable dysfunctional activity, but, but when there's a need, they run to that need. It's a beautiful thing. That's that's something the Holy Spirit does, and it's, it's a core part of, of what church is all about, and it plays its way out in such practical ways. We've seen that so many times at this church, people just showing up to meet needs and to come alongside each other. So these are the things that create the target. These are the actions that, that define what the bullseye looks like. That, that move from isolation to congregation, the move from convenience to commitment. And this final move, that's just saying that what matters is more than just me. It goes beyond that. It's from selfishness to sacrifice. Let's, let's keep that the target. And maybe there's some places where you're saying, you know what, I've got to adjust my aim I've been shooting at the wrong target. And if it's time to do that, let's do it. But, but Lakeview, let's keep it up. This is, this is what it's about. And now, more than ever, this is the kind of community that God has designed for this church, that, that we get the chance to jump in and be all about. And this is the kind of church that the world around us needs to see. Let's pray together. Lord, Lord,